Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome to a Week 16 edition of Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, happy holidays to you, my friend, and Victory Wednesday? Victory Wednesday, yes. Victory Tuesday goes over to Victory Wednesday. And I'm jealous of Santa Claus. My, my daughter's more excited about Santa Claus than, than Dad. That's not fair, right? No, that's not how it's supposed that, to go. See, you know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. See? Are you tempted to spoil it for her? I'm trying to fly. No, I'm trying to fly. <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just trying to do what Santa does, but I'm jealous. All right, so we've never done this show in this fashion before, where it's kind of a recap of 24 hours ago, the Rams yeah. win over the Seattle Seahawks, sweeping their division rival, putting themselves Boom. at 10 wins and tied with the Arizona Cardinals atop the NFC West. West standings. Three games to go. We're also going to preview a trip to Minnesota. The Rams have at Minneapolis, at Baltimore, and home to San Francisco left. It's all there for the taking, DeMarco. Can we just stop and just bask in, in the glory of sweeping Seattle? I think we should do that quite a bit here. I mean, yes, you know, they've been a thorn in your side for a while. And like you said during the broadcast, this could be it for the Seahawks as we know it. Do you think so? I don't know. Who knows? I mean, I'm not going to try to make my mind up or make a decision for the Seahawks, but as the NFL goes and as the business of the NFL goes with it, it stands the reason one of those guys isn't coming back. Either Russell Wilson's moving on or Pete Carroll's moving on, especially when you have a losing season. And here's how I spin it forward and look at it and why I think you're probably on to something. One, when there's smoke, there's fire. And there's been a lot of reporting about mm-hmm. Russell's no trade clause and all that. But if you were to power rank the NFC West for 22, spin it forward to next year. Okay. I think the easiest placement is Seattle fourth. Fair. Yeah. The other three, I think you could all make a case that San Francisco or Arizona or the Rams might be the favorite. But when you account with where they are now, yeah, all the questions they have this offseason, and the draft capital, remember that Jamal Adams trade for Seattle is going to cost them a chance to rebuild in short order. Big time. I think Seattle's probably four if we're being candid. No doubt. And, and so and yeah. so that reality, can you stand pat with that being the truth if Absolutely. you're in Seattle? Yes. Well, probably not uh, there in Seattle, but I don't know how you fix that even if you bring them both back. Uh, you still have a lot of work to do with that roster. And it, it, it's frankly, I think it's just reached the end of his road. That's, that's what I saw. I mean, that was a typical Pete Carroll style of football game. Um, I, I thought the only difference was – Russell Wilson wasn't as special as he needed to be in certain plays. Now, I don't know if that's a function of a new offense or has he just, is he past his prime, but it's just not working out between quarterback and coach anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you put that in the context of what the Rams have done against Seattle. Yeah. Authoring their demise, I think, more than any other opponent. You almost hope that they do run it back, that they do stand pat, because this is one of the most favorable matchups in the entire NFL for Los Angeles. They improved to 8-3 and three yeah. against the Seahawks under Sean McVay with last night's victory. And let me point out, two of those three losses, you had the Cooper Cup drop in the end zone on a potential game winner at the Coliseum, and you had a Greg Zerline 44-yard field goal just miss otherwise you might be 10 and 1 this is why i'm happy you know uh, it's i have the greatest amount of respect for the seahawks the players and their coaches it's just the fan base i i hope they enjoy this ride absolutely and i hope you stay there for a while I because will, they were not gracious hosts when they were on top <laughs> i will say this though to your point i could not have been more impressed with the way that pete carroll and his group handled the week that was yeah i understand the emotions and being upset about the postponement was not their fault 
it seemed like it played into the Rams' hands, even though Seattle didn't really lose anyone ex- aside from you know one defensive lineman who was probably going to be injured and inactive anyway. But you combine that with the mispass interference mm-hmm. on DJ Dallas, which resulted in instead of a potential tying touchdown, you know, a, a field goal going the other way and a ten point lead. Pure class, you know, yeah. at, at the post game podium. I thought to a man they handled that very, very professionally. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope you're not going to be just you know railing against one call like that was the reason you did not win the game. I can't stand when people do that. It's more than just one play. The Rams absolutely handled. The Seahawks. Now, it didn't show on the scoreboard, and the Seahawks did what they needed to do to stay in that football game. It was great, but you just can't hang it on one missed call. There's missed calls all over the field. I will Every play. I will say, though, when you look at that halftime box score, yeah, and you've got total game control, and you're tied 3-3, and you kick it away to Seattle, and they go down the field 75 <laughs> yards for the game's first touchdown, it felt like... Uh-oh. <laughs> They miss their opportunities. And when you miss your opportunities, especially two or three of them and a half in the NFL, more times than not, you lose. No doubt. No doubt. That's what we were talking about with Sean McVay. I mean, I, I just love how competitive this this Rams squad is. And I know he's never going to say it, but uh, and he loves every team, every uh, team he's had, every incarnation of the football team since he's been here. But this is a very competitive football team. Uh, they're they're playing for something a lot deeper than just championship. They're playing for each other. So it seems like they can't be shaken. Since that three-game losing streak, it seems like they found their mojo on the field and they've got their cohesiveness back together. Uh, he, he's yeah. DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. We're going to dive even deeper into that sentiment. I think it's spot on. I think it's exactly the truth. Mm-hmm. And how powerful is that could dictate how far the Rams go and what they achieve in this final month or two of the season. I do want to point out, though, Eight and three against Seattle under McVeigh. Eight and one against Arizona under McVeigh (laughs) with wins the last two weeks. And we'll get to that other piece. Oh, boy. Which is three and six against San Francisco. Do you have an answer for me? (laughs) Because I I can't figure out what's going on there. But look at what it's building toward in Uh, week 18, DeMarco. Here we go. Not to get ahead of ourselves because there are two critical games between now and then. You guys make fun of me about Rams week, and I say this. For either team to move on to get to a championship level, they have to go through each other. Mm -hmm. And it's setting setting up to be that way again. Oh boy, this is going to be fun. All right, we'll get to a lot more of what DeMarco liked from last night's win over the Seattle Seahawks. But let's pause just for a second to make sure everyone knows now what's at stake this week. The Rams have pulled even with the Arizona Cardinals at 10-4 and atop the NFC West. But Arizona has all the tiebreakers. Tiebreakers are for the birds, you might say, Mm. which basically means the Rams have to play better, win more games over these final three than Arizona does. We know the Rams schedule, right? At Minneapolis, at Baltimore, and home to San Francisco. As for the Arizona Cardinals, who are stumbling a little bit back-to-back losses, including a surprise one at Detroit, they've got Christmas against the Colts, at Dallas, and home to those same Seahawks. Mm. Can the Rams win three to their two or two to their one? We shall see. Which Arizona are we talking about? Well, let me me put it to you this way. Which which remaining three would you rather have, the Rams remaining three or the Cardinals remaining three? Wow. Uh, Well, if I can avoid the Niners, (laughs) then I'll take the other one. Okay, so you still think with the Colts coming in and a trip to Dallas, Arizona's got the better path. Which Arizona? The ones the Rams beat on Monday night or the ones that, that beat them here? You know what I mean? That Arizona plays anywhere but Green Bay because of the field service and the, and the weather. 
and can beat anybody. But the one we saw in Detroit that was unfocused and looked like they just took the week off, uh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the Rams have a good chance. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are really interesting in terms of their style and the matchup with Arizona. I think the same is true of the Rams. When you look at their remaining slate, you better be ready to tackle the run yeah. because you got Dalvin Cook and the Vikings. You've got the Baltimore Ravens, and we know what San Francisco brings every time they match up against the Rams. I'm going to give this to you. This is my present to you. This is all the Kirk Cousins hate I have. I'm giving it to you. I will <laughs> never say it again. 29 touchdowns, six picks, and here you are in the thick of things again. Yeah, um, that's just all hate. Mm-hmm. If you hate Kirk Cousins at this point, then you, you don't really watch ball. You just listen to people talk about it. If you don't like him as a player as yes. a performer you're saying as a quarterback even yeah. coming off a career low in terms of passing yardage in that monday night win at chicago everybody has stinkers tom brady just took a beating against new orleans it happens but 29 and 6 29 touchdown passes to six interceptions that means you're not hurting the football team i can handle that that is not bad quarterback play that is very very good quarterback play so no more Kirk Cousins hate for me. And on this Christmas weekend, the Rams are a win away from clinching a playoff spot. Seeding still very much to be determined. We hope it's as high as the one seed and a bye could be a top four seed and a home wow. playoff game. Or they could be where they are and have been for much of the last two months, the five, and going on the road for wild card weekend. If they get the number one seed after that three-game losing streak and how it looked, then he is coach of the year. Well, and Sean McVay is that guy. I, you know, They don't need any help to clinch a playoff spot, Yeah, but I'd be stunned if they get the help from Green Bay to climb all the way to one. Green Bay has Cleveland, Minnesota at home, and at Detroit. Right. With a one-game lead and the head-to-head over the Rams. A lot of bad has I, to happen. I, th- I think the Rams are playing for the two seed. That, but, that would be great. Yeah, but take yourself back to Thanksgiving. How did you feel about... If someone said you'll have a shot for the two or the one seed just a month ago. I think the part of that I wouldn't have believed is that Arizona would falter the way that they have. This is true. Right, right, right. No, I think that's a difference. But I I felt like in that nucleus of the Rams team, this was possible. Yeah. And I felt like getting Jacksonville as a get-right game and another shot at the Cardinals given the the relative dominance they've had against that franchise. This this three-game winning streak does not surprise me. I think it sets the Rams up to reveal what they're truly capable of from here to the finish line. I hope so. Well, let's carry this over into Minnesota, and I'm so glad it's going to be indoors. Because I'm sure Minnesota's going to be cold. It's going to be a white Christmas. (laughs) No doubt. No doubt. Yes. When we return, Cooper Cup is on an MVP pace. He might be putting together the best season a wide receiver has ever had in the National Football League. We'll get Sean McVay's comments on Cooper Cup setting a Rams franchise record for most receptions in a single season and doing it through 14 games. That's when we come back on Rams All Access, 710 ESPN. Empty shotgun snap. He's looking right. He fires to the goal line, sitting down with the catch, and the touchdown is Cooper Cup. Touchdown, Cooper Cup. Touchdown, L.A. With 6.31 to go in the third quarter, the Rams have a chance to tie it. And Cooper Cup, with that grab and that touchdown, sets a franchise record for most receptions in a single season. 
I think he has an idea of, of how well he's playing, but he is truly one of the most humble, special players I've ever been around. And, um, you know, he doesn't need all the accolades. I mean, I think it's great he gets his first Pro Bowl recognition. Um, I don't know how he's not going to be a first-team All-Pro player. I think he's a legitimate candidate for a lot of awards, but he is about our team. You know, he's interested in leading the right way, making the plays that, uh, you know, that are instrumental and vital to the outcomes of our, our you know, really our team success. And he does a lot of stuff without the football as well. But he's so special, and you and I both know that. It's pretty cool. Of course, that was Sean McVay, head coach of your Los Angeles Rams on Cooper Cup, the NFL's leading receiver in pursuit of a triple crown. He's got 122 catches, 1,625 yards, and 14 touchdowns. Back with DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long, a Christmas week edition of Rams All Access, a trip to Minneapolis this weekend. And I got thinking on the drive-in today, DeMarco, about (laughs) that 2017 game against the Vikings when Cooper Cup fumbled going in to the end zone and into the half and just how far he's come and the Rams have come since that first year together McVay and Cooper Cup one of the most successful partnerships in league history it's been fun to watch Uh, I know it's been fun watching the 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 Aaron Aaron Donald wrecking machine daily Sunday uh, fun fest it is but watching Cooper Cup get nothing but better he was good from day one he was ahead of the game as a rookie and to see him now uh, 13 targets I mean Matthew Stafford is featuring him in this offense and he's delivering 136 yards and two scores I mean and he's doing it from all over the field he moves all over. He motions in. He gets guys lined up. He's he's beating the top flight corners of the NFL mm-hmm. and beating them like a drum. You know what I mean? So, yeah, um, when you start talking about MVP or player of the year, he has got to be in the conversation. Like the first or two second name out of your mouth has got to be Cooper Cup. I'm glad you mentioned Matthew Stafford because, you know, you put his efforts with Megatron together with what he's doing now for Cooper Cup, and you could argue that two of the most impressive statistical receiving seasons in NFL history were orchestrated by Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the through line here. So it'll be interesting to see as, you know, Cooper Cup pursues the all-time receiving record in these final three games, um, how that goes down. Is Matthew Stafford guilty at times of featuring him too much, of locking in on him too often? I'm thinking of his interception that Quandre Diggs took away. Yeah. on Tuesday night at SoFi Stadium. I think he missed that rotation. Uh, we said this during the broadcast. Seattle rotated late, um, and I think Matthew Stafford just missed it. Every now and then they do miss, and they throw it right to a guy. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes I mean you can stare down Cooper Cup, but it seems like he moves the defense where he wants to get the guy open. But every now and then they will stare down a guy. You will stare down Cooper Cup. But more often than not, he's right. I mean, when you think about it, no matter who's on the field, and I'm looking Odell Beckham Jr., who was coming into his own in this offense, one catch. So, I mean, it's... And a big P.I. And a big P.I. But it's just, you know, at some point in in, in different games, Cooper Cup, every single snap, may be your best option He's to move the constant, the football. isn't he? Yeah. I mean, when you start looking as a quarterback, well, where's my matchup? Where's my most favorable matchup? You may come back to 10 90% of the time versus what they're doing, who they have in front of them, or what the game is allowing to, for you to do with Cooper Cup. The second touchdown, one of the more impressive throws of the season for me. I've watched it a hundred times from every angle I can find in the 24 hours since that play. What proved to be the game-winning touchdown? The anticipation, the window where Matthew Stafford put that, and just 
the intestinal fortitude, yeah. having already thrown an interception, targeting Cup in that area of the field, to put it there and trust that he would be there to pluck it out of the air and take it into the end zone, breathtaking. I mean, those are the types of plays that I that give me just profound appreciation for how hard it is to play quarterback in the National Football League. And a reminder that Matthew Stafford really is elite at doing it. And I think the narrative of this season, could he take that jump from from great to elite? He has. He really, really has. Yeah, he's got the guts to lay it out there. Didn't they say that in the movie Jerry Maguire? That's how you become great. You got to, you know, X, Y, Z, hang mm-hmm. them out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, putting it, letting it go in the middle of the field and just having, like you said, the presence of mind to know that Cooper Cup is going to come down with it. Or at least, if it's a bad throw, knock it down. But just, oh man, catching that and then scooting into the end zone, great. The touchdown versus the two linebackers in the middle of the field, also a great throw. I mean, it's guaranteed he's going to go out and, and beat one of these guys to the middle. They're, they're, he's just too quick for him. But for Matthew Stafford to lay that in there on time as soon as he turns around, just a lot of great throws. And I didn't even think of that. That's right. Um, when you talk about the greatest receiving years in the history of ball, Matthew Stafford is the guy delivering both times. Wow, that's that's unbelievable. If you got a good horse, you might as well ride him. Absolutely. Uh, you, I just had a squirrel moment. Yeah, I'm chasing butterflies here because you said linebackers and Cooper Cup in the same sentence, and I had a mental flashback <laughs> to Thursday night football against the Vikings, yeah. 2018 at the Coliseum. Oh, yeah. One of the most vicious, uh, rude, <laughs> right. disgusting game plans that Sean McVay has ever put together. Yeah. Those Minnesota Viking linebackers were outmatched. Dude, why? I mean, I love, I. it's Barr, right? Anthony Barr was a linebacker. I thought he was great. He's a great coverbacker, but you thought really he was going to keep up with Cooper Cup that many times? Come on, dude. It's the Change U- what you're doing. It's still the UCLA tandem there in Minneapolis. Yeah. Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, yeah. who we will see this week in Week 16, a trip to Minneapolis. More on that matchup to come in our next segment with DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. This is Rams All Access. Let's finish kind of what we liked about the win over the Seattle Seahawks in Week 15. What else, big picture-wise, did you take home from that game at SoFi Stadium? Well, you know what I'm going to point out first, right? Uh, Let me guess. Uh, Defensive tackle. Uh, Of course, the defensive line, just the front seven, and the job they did on Seattle. Now, that offensive line is not great, but they did exactly what you're supposed to do against an offensive line like that. They dominated. Uh, Man on man. And I love the way Raheem Morris spread out his guys. I mean, Greg Gaines, like we said, Sebastian Joseph Day, you better get right, get get right now, and get right back in there because this guy is not going to give this job up. And I showed you some of these videos of what Greg Gaines is doing. You got a two gap, a professional center. You've got both gaps, and you, you contain them both. You, you fill them both, and then Aaron Donald is is back to being wrecking shot. I was worried about him in that knee, and it looks like there's no problem. I didn't see a difference in Aaron Donald's play. He looked the same to me. And, you? Yeah, in case you're not following what DeMarcus is talking about there, coming off of that multi-sack performance at Arizona, he did land on the injury report with what he described as a minor, no-big-deal knee injury. But the tricky part about that is he couldn't then get into the facility, get treatment, get the normal attention that he would have because of the COVID situation in Thousand Oaks last week. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I mean. This is all without really repping, and they were just absolutely fantastic. Von Miller got his first sack. So defensively speaking, that well, that will travel. That will carry with you. That will beat just about anybody in the NFC if you continue to play like that. Let me ask you something, because it wasn't that long ago 
that Sean McVay was doing the coaches show with us virtually and he was seeing some of the vitriol in the comment section that comes with the job that we do. And <laughs> a lot of fun. it was pointed at his friend and his defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. You fast forward three weeks, a month, whatever it's been. Am I nuts for thinking that this group right now has the potential to be as good or maybe even more imposing than last year's NFL leading defense? Could. I'm not saying that yeah. their body of work is going to be as yeah. good. That ship has probably sailed. But from this point forward, yeah. are they poised to be as good or better? Could. Just one thing. And the reason all that criticism came towards Raheem Morris was what happened in San Francisco. You know, I mean, that wasn't even close. So I think some of that was eh, overboard but warranted. There, there, there should have been questions, but not just like, let's get rid of the guy. I get that. But if this defense can finally lock down San Francisco and solve that puzzle, then absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I, no doubt. I think personnel-wise, they're in a great, great position. Yeah. And speaking of personnel, we should note that Obo Okoronkwo and Terrell Burgess uh, have tested out of the COVID protocol, so they'll be coming off the reserve list. Rob Havenstein's 10-day window is up, so he should be back at right tackle. And that leads me to the next kind of big-picture thought I have for this week, DeMarco, is first and foremost, nobody wants to get sick or to see anyone else get sick, mm-hmm. right? I, I hope we can all take that as as understood. But in retrospect, to go 2-0 and through this division gauntlet at Arizona, home to Seattle, given the players who were sidelined, could it now work in your favor? I'm thinking of Rob Havenstein with a couple of weeks off. I'm thinking of Jalen Ramsey with you know a week with his feet up. I'm thinking of Tyler Higby, who plays maybe the most demanding position <laughs> yeah. in professional football and was doing it single-handedly yeah. as the Rams' only proven tight end for much of this year. If he's feeling good, he's now had two games off. I think that could really serve the Rams well down the stretch. Oh, uh, Rob Havenstein with fresh legs, with the way you're running the football with yes. Michelle, absolutely. And then you you put Joe Noteboom or whatever back in there with that 13 personnel, absolutely control the football game. Oh, Tyler Higby finally had a couple of days off where he can heal. Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm glad Bryson Hopkins got his first professional catch, and it was a big one. And Kendall Blanton's been doing yeoman's work, but... No one's going to mistake them for Tyler Higby. No, not at all. Yes, I see where you're going with this, and it could be a blessing in disguise. But, you know, we've been talking about this with the the, the Sean McVay era, having to travel and all the things the Rams have had to do, you know, just to play football. And then you have to navigate this, and you do well. Come on, man. I mean, that's uh, – we talk about this. This is not just – a fly-by-night. This is how you change culture. This is a winning culture here with the LA Rams. DeMarco, now I know why we normally do this show three or four days after the most recent game. Why is that? It's hard to get your head out of what happened last <laughs> night and think well, ahead to the next matchup. Technically, we still are in the 24-hour window. We can still bask in no, this. No, I know, yeah. but uh, we got we got to spin it forward to the Vikings. Three games to go, a trip to Minneapolis next. What's the latest on Minnesota? We'll give a team profile and a matchup preview of the Rams and the Vikings when we continue on this edition of Rams All Access, 710 ESPN. The Minnesota Vikings coming off a Monday night football win over the Chicago Bears. They get to 7-7, seven and seven, and they are still very much in the NFC playoff race. Likely need to win two of their final three to get in. Rams first, then at Green Bay, and home to the Bears for a rematch. This is Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr and J.B. Long wishing you Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and it's going to be a uh, white Christmas in the Midwest, it looks like, as we get back on a plane for another holiday trip. Uh, DeMarco, first, you and your girls are going to celebrate 
together, I hope? Your wife, your daughters? Yes, absolutely. We're all together. Yes. Uh, Oh, boy. I got another big Christmas present from the oldest one. She's changing her major. You're kidding. Yeah, that's that's a heck of a present. Yeah. Midway through her junior year? Yes, which is what we all do at 20 years old. And your feelings on this change are positive, negative, ambivalent? It's Wednesday? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you tomorrow. All right. Yeah. Let her plead her case first (laughs) and explain it to you? Absolutely. Yes. Wishing all of you a very safe and enjoyable holiday weekend. This profile of Vikings is as much for my benefit as for yours and the audience. DeMarco still digging into them. Um, their win over the Bears was very much a, an NSC North division struggle. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't one that you would uh, hang in the Louvre, but they'll take it because they needed it to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Chicago fumbled three times, or actually fumbled four and lost three. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Fields had a pretty good day. It wasn't horrible. They had a better passer rating than, than Kirk Cousins, but they still lost how you turn the ball over. Well, if the Rams can just cure that, then I'll, I'll take the Rams over just about anybody. Mm. Uh, and without that one pick, I mean, that would have been – that could have been a blowout versus Seattle. Last time I'll mention that. But, yeah, I mean, Minnesota's tough. They can run the football. Uh, they've got it in places you don't like it, like they're big up front and they want to control clock. And, you know, you know what they're about on defense. They get after you. Uh, they send as many people as they can towards the quarterback and see if they can make something happen. So, yeah, this type of matchup in their house with crowd noise should worry you. Let me follow up on that because here's where alarm bells are going off for me. Their defensive tackles dominating matchups against the middle of the Bears' offensive line. Mm-hmm. That group had half of Minnesota's 22 pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. Wow. If there's been a disruptive area, if there has been an Achilles heel, I'm not saying that the interior three for the Rams have played poorly, but yeah. in the games where they have struggled, interior pressure has been a consistent theme. Here it comes in a different way. The Vikings are the first team since the 74 Raiders to post multiple sacks in each of their first 14 games. That Raiders season was only 14 games long. So if the Vikings do it to Matthew Stafford, one of the best protected quarterbacks in the National Football League, they would set an NFL record with multiple sacks against the Rams. So wow, protecting Stafford. Offensive line, getting Rob Havenstein back at right tackle. Major, major theme this week. No doubt. Um, okay, remember Tennessee's defensive line. Yep. I think Unfortunately, this, I do. This group is similar. Uh, they're big and they're strong and they can move you. They're, they're forklifts. You know what I mean? Less mm-hmm. quick, more forklifts. So, absolutely, you, you start to think about that three-game losing streak and how it happened and who it happened to. It was basically guard to guard. So, here we go again. Now, you're going up there. Uh, you don't have the benefit of crowd noise. So, yeah, I mean, I hope Sean McVay and the offense learned a little bit something about how to handle defensive lines that are mm-hmm. tough up the middle and what you can and can't do. But this is where I, I'd say it might be a little bit different. Now there's Sony Michelle coming through there. Now you have a chance to soften them up. So it might be a little bit different. I agree. It feels like a combination of a sledgehammer and a scalpel. Yeah. In, in terms of your straight back passing game, which the Rams have been so, so good at it. Maybe you dial that down a little bit in this context, and and you take the speed outs. You take the slant game with OBJ. You do hammer away with your running game, and then you very selectively use your play-action keeper game to take deep shots. Now, I know I'm the one who said earlier in this show, remember that perfect game that Jared Goff had against the Minnesota Vikings in coverage at the Coliseum? Miraculous, You want to go do that again? Be my guest. I would love to see it. But my, my hunch is that that's not the game 
that the Rams nor the Vikings are playing this weekend. No, this could be tough. I mean, look, there's, there's, there's. I, I, I still back then. I don't think Minnesota believed in what Sean McVay and Jared Goff can do. That's yeah. I think time, enough time has passed that the identity and yeah. the matchup has changed enough. Even though some of the personnel is the same. You know, you know what's going to happen, and that brings me to another point. Uh, you got to get the screen game going a little bit better because that's another way to take some smoke off the defensive line is to screen them. Let and that's why I think field. having Higby back is huge. Absolutely. Just, I mean, you were one block away from from popping a few against uh, the Seahawks against the I'm Seahawks. glad they went back to it a second yeah. time yeah in that fourth quarter you're gonna have to hit that and give Sony Michelle or whoever just a chance to get beyond that defensive line and make them pay for being aggressive that's what was, you're using it as an antidote to the pass rush that we started this segment with from Minnesota absolutely uh it, it, it's the, the classic rope-a-dope come on in okay we know you got it we'll get you upfield We'll go by you, and then we'll get bigs on your second level, and let's see if you can run down the running back or tight end. As for the Vikings offensively, fascinated by the makeup of their receiving core, uh, expect Adam Thielen to return from an ankle injury this week. That's the word out of Minneapolis. So you get phenomenal slot players on both sides. And right. then Justin Jefferson, only four catches for 47 yards and a touchdown against the Bears, even though Chicago is missing their entire starting secondary. All four, their corners and their safeties were out, and yet Minnesota went with a run-heavy approach. Um, Kirk Cousins didn't even throw for 100 yards, though he did get a couple of passing touchdowns. But Jefferson against Jalen, man, th- these are the types of matchups you pay to see. Was it Maurice that said uh, it's old-school football, the Deion Sanders mentality? Raheem Morris, this is what you're getting paid for. You take away Thielen and the the passing game. Okay. Jalen Ramsey takes away Jefferson. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's uh, that's kind of a Wade Phillips type approach to this week. A short week at that. Remember, they played Tuesday night. Now they turn it around in a road game on Sunday. You hope that the freshness they gained from a long week on the front end of that uh, Seattle win uh, pays dividends. All right, so Rams and Vikings with a chance to clinch a playoff spot at U.S. Bank Stadium this week in the Twin Cities. He's Marco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and we've got our playoff eliminator contest with some incredible updates <laughs> And fortunes turning against me, I'm afraid. (laughs) And the latest on the NFC playoff picture. A lot to run down before we finish this holiday edition of Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Coming down the home stretch on Rams All Access and in the regular season as well. Three games to go for the Los Angeles Rams. If they outplay the Arizona Cardinals, who also have three, there's a pathway to an NFC West championship. And with it, a home playoff game. First things first, a win this weekend in the Twin Cities, and the Rams will have 11 victories, and they will punch their playoff ticket. DeMarco, I don't want to take that for granted, right? Five straight winning seasons under Sean McVay, a chance to go to the playoffs for a fourth in those five years. Yeah, I, I like this side of the you know fence. I really do. Uh, when you, you kind of have a feeling, the expectation that you know you can compete for a Super Bowl, and that's not just smoke, and here you are with one game to clinch a spot into the dance. I mean, yeah, I mean... Uh, how much more praise can we heap upon Sean McVay? Well, there's more out there. You got to win Lombardi, but yeah, man. I mean, he's since he's taken this job, he's changed everything. He really has. So playoffs are not just a dream; they're a destination you can actually get to. Hmm. And we feel like, depending on how the seating shakes out, the Rams can go anywhere and win, or they could still perform to such an extent that they get to bring the path to the Super Bowl through SoFi Stadium, which would be really awesome uh, for lots of reasons. Right now, though, Green Bay is the first to clinch. They've got their division. They've got the North. They're 11-3 and with a favorable schedule the rest of the way with Dallas, Tampa Bay, Arizona, and Los Angeles all trailing by a game. It's pretty obvious that the Packers are in the driver's seat to have home field. 
So that would mean that the Rams are essentially playing for a two. That would be, I think for the moment, their best case scenario. Dallas, Tampa Bay, Arizona in front of them right now in the pecking order. So let's dig into this week's this this matchup. And let's start with the San Francisco 49ers. They're going to face the Titans on Thursday night football. That's the first game of the week, and it has tons of implications, not only on the West picture, DeMarco, but on our playoff eliminator contest. I'll get to that in a second. But first, your thought on the Red Hot Niners. How do you feel about Tennessee is the question. I thought Tennessee, when they left L.A., I thought, wow, this team, if they keep this up, they're going to be – around the top of the AFC, and I, I just can't figure them out. San Francisco, I think, found, like you said, found their mojo. They they understand what they do and who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they're playing their best football now when it matters most. So I think they absolutely get by Tennessee. 49ers 8-6, and six, Titans 9-5, and five, that game in Nashville. The Packers are home to the Browns. That's a Christmas game. It's the other Christmas game we've got our eye on. It's 5:15 Pacific, the 8 and 6 Colts, the 10 and 4 Cardinals. This is one of the better remaining chances for the Cardinals to take an L. It would be their third in a row, and that would mean the Rams would take the field on Sunday in Minneapolis in control of their NFC West destiny. Wow, unbelievable. You know, I, I had to answer this. I, I, somebody asked me, is Arizona a fraud? No, I don't think Arizona is a fraud. I do not. I, I think they're struggling right now, as teams do. It's just... It's a funny time to be struggling, but it does happen. Um, Kyler Murray, with his style, uh, if he gets the right mix, if he's feeling good that day, you won't even touch him. You know what I mean? And if it's going bad and it's not right, you can tell that too. So uh, Arizona is a tough team to figure out, but I'll say this. That loss versus Detroit. Detroit is the worst team in the world to prepare for now. There's no motivation there as a player. You look at Detroit, you look at their record, it's close to Christmas time. You're probably not focused on them, and you walk into a buzzsaw. Hmm. I think you'll see the real Arizona this week. So we'll see what what's left of them and how they feel about this playoff seating from here on out. But I think the real Arizona is still in there somewhere. You know, the book on the Cardinals is that they fold on the finish. Yeah. Like, under Cliff Kingsbury, they've had some good starts to seasons. They have not been able to close. That opportunity is there again here in 2021. And an interesting subplot for this game, Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup, perhaps one, two, in what order, who knows, for NFL Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, Who would you give it to positionally, receiver or running back? Because running back is tougher. You start the play with the ball in your hand, you know what I mean? Well, what's fascinating to me is just how fundamental each player is to the structure of their various offense, right? The Colts have no chance of doing what they do without Taylor and the Rams without Cooper Cup, I think would have to run in a completely different direction. And I'm not just talking about him being a triple crown threat. I'm talking about everything he does with his reduced splits, everything in in the keeper game, digging out linebackers and safeties. Like in some ways, I I think they are great modern examples of complete players at their respective positions. I agree. Like running backs, when they dominate a game, they dominate everything. They do. Time of possession, the whole nine. Your defense loves you because you're off the field watching uh, watching this guy run. But Cooper Cup dominating, it's, it's the same way a running back does it. It's not just deep ball after deep ball like Randy Moss. You score in 30 seconds. This is a guy that's on the field for 11 plays, and he's absolutely killing you and wearing you out at the same time. So if it came down to it, uh, you would have to give Cooper Cup the nod, and that's just not being a homer. That's just how it is. 
And let's keep going. Let's get to Sunday. The Cowboys have a chance to clinch against the Washington football team. That game in Dallas, the Cowboys are part of that group at 10-4, and four, as are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They go to Carolina to face the 5-9 and nine Panthers. So you're keeping an eye on that 10-4 and four group, Arizona, Tampa Bay, and the Dallas Cowboys uh, Saturday and Sunday before the Rams play. All right, should we get to our playoff eliminator contest? Absolutely. Dallas has 10 wins. Yes. I mean, I know they're they're overreported, but you would think they stink the way people talk about them. And they got 10 wins. Sorry. Anyway. No, yeah. and it's a very possible playoff matchup yeah. for the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> All right. When we last left it, you had selected nine teams. I had selected nine teams. The goal here is to pick teams that are going to miss the playoffs. Whoever has the most is the winner. However, if you pick a team that makes the postseason your toast and you're buying dinner for the other person, uh, DeMarco, I'm in trouble. Start thinking about uh, <laughs> what your appetite is dictating this holiday season. Andy's because hurt you, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, so I have more... I have more eliminated so far. I have the Lions, the Jags, and the Texans. Right. So I've got three in my pocket. You've got the Jets and Chicago, and you're in great shape with Seattle, the Giants, the Falcons, many others, Denver. You're, yeah. you're, you're in a driver's seat. The only team that might give you some trouble, well, two, Philadelphia and Minnesota. Yeah, we're going to see one of them this week. Philadelphia, hanging in there, hanging Seven and around. seven, hanging yeah. in on a soft NFC playoff bubble. We'll the see. East. Yeah. But you're right. In my category – uh-oh. Uh, the, Colts, the Colts right now have an 89% chance of making the playoffs. That game at Arizona, and then they finish with the Raiders and the Jags. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yep. Uh, where are we going? Uh, yeah, well, yeah. You, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You tell me. Okay. Also, you know, we might do Brazilian steakhouse this time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just eat. <laughs> and if the Colts don't flame out for me um, – the New Orleans Saints still have a pathway too. They got Ow. about a 50-50 chance. They Ow. got they got the uh, wow. Dolphins, Panthers, and Falcons. And again, if either of those teams, or certainly if both of those teams, make the playoffs, I'm toast. Demarco wins our inaugural playoff eliminator I competition. Saw, I saw a movie. Isn't Kevin James playing Sean Payton? Okay. That's a stretch for me. But, I mean, he better get the accent down. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can't see anything but Kevin James. But, wow, the Saints just won't go away. Oh, I, I forgot. No, no, Neither of us made a pick this week for playoff eliminator. I'm not we sure have that, to? Uh, no, I'm not sure that we need to. I, I think Unless we're Unless you're dying to make a pick, let's just punt until next week, and we'll see if it's – it may not matter at I'm this point. I'm sitting on my cards. Yeah, if, yeah. I'm exactly – if I'm you, I'm I'm standing on 16 <laughs> right, right. and then seeing waiting my for bus, the bus, waiting for the bus. <laughs> All right, what an exciting time to be a Rams fan. Three games to go, two of them on the road. Here's another road back to back, the truest road back to back of the year. I know they went Seattle and New York, but there was a long week in between. This you're jumping time zones and you're doing it in bad weather and you're doing it on the holidays. Wouldn't it be something if that home game against the Niners at the tail end of this season was for all the marbles? No doubt. And it's probably going to come down to that, too. It really is. Um, and that would be apropos. And it would be great if the Rams got over the hump and figured it out. For whatever reason, it's not X's and O's to me. That's the Johnnies and the Joes with you in San Francisco. That's a personal issue. At some point, you're going to get tired of your big brother picking on you, mm -hmm. and you're going to you know, fight back. So we'll see what happens there. But first, take care of business in Minnesota. That stadium looks weird to you, doesn't it, in Minnesota? Yeah, with the big glass doors that they threatened to open in inclement conditions but never really seemed to do. Right. A friend of ours said it's shaped like a pirate ship. I could see that. I didn't see that until he said it, and I think he might be right. It's a yeah. Viking ship. But inside, it's cool. I love being inside. And then that horn. 
Yeah, that doo-doo. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think uh, in terms of artificial noise, don't get me wrong, it's a loud building, but in terms of speaker-delivered noise, it's up there with the loudest in the National Football I'm League. I'm on the sideline, and I'm looking at the crowd, and no one's saying a word, but it's loud. How is that working? Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Telepathy? Okay. <laughs> and then the skull chance, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. by the way, let's not finish without shouting out the crowd at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, on a Tuesday. I mean, Minnesota yeah. is one of the best, but on a Tuesday at 4 o'clock, rescheduled holiday week, that place was rocking. That yes, was sir. awesome, awesome, awesome. That was pre-eggnog, and they were still loud. Way to go, L.A. Well, pre-eggnog for us. Yeah. I don't know, I, the 70,000, who knows what they got up to. <laughs> no doubt. Between the alarm and, and 4 o'clock Pacific, we appreciate them. We appreciate you. Wishing all of you a very Merry Christmas this weekend. We're off to Minneapolis, and we will join you. Uh, for Rams and Vikings, Week 16, with a playoff spot on the line if the Rams can win it. For Marco Far and Maurice Jones-Drew, who's still on the men, we send him our best. I'm JB Long. Happy holidays, everyone, and thanks for listening to Rams All Access on 710 ESPN.